There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. I'm excited today to welcome Tanya E. Spencer as my guest. She's the Chief Diversity Officer for GE Gas Power. General Electric is one of the world's leading industrial companies. It operates in 170 countries and employs 175,000 people. Tanya first joined GE 28 years ago after earning her degree in electrical engineering at Tuskegee University. She's held many roles in the company and they've taken her all over the world, including Nigeria, where she was the chief marketing officer and managing director for GE Oil and Gas for Sub-Saharan Africa. Most recently, she was named Chief Diversity Officer for GE Gas Power, the division of GE responsible for delivering natural gas power technology, services, and solutions. In this role, Tanya works to drive an inclusive culture and address any incidents of bias that may arise. She also acts as a champion for staff development by helping team members grow their careers. I'm looking forward to learning more about you and your amazing work, Tanya. Welcome. Thank you, Michelle. It's really good to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. GE is a massive company that focuses on aviation, healthcare, and energy. Can you tell me more about GE Gas Power and its mission? Sure. So at, at GE Gas Power, we engineer cleaner, more accessible energy that communities that the world depend on to uh, power growth and prosperity. Um, if you think about the GE infrastructure, our equipment generates a third of the world's power. And so as you think about the challenges that we're facing in the world right now, there's a billion people in the world that do not have access to energy. At the same time, we are facing a lot of challenges with climate change. So we, we're focused on how do we help bring power to, to communities in the world, those billion people that don't have it. At the same time, how do we focus on decarbonization? You know, how do we focus on helping to address the challenges that are out there with, with climate change? And I know you received your degree, um, your bachelor's in electrical engineering from Tuskegee University. So how did you go from electrical engineering to your HR path? Yeah, it, uh, it's an interesting story. So I, I did summer internships in engineering and in manufacturing, and I decided that uh, I wanted to do something a little different, and I went the technical sales path. So I actually joined GE on uh, what was then called the technical sales program. I've worked for GE my entire career. I spent most of my career, so 25 years in sales and marketing. And then a few years ago, 2018, I made a bit of a switch and it, it was born out of some of the work that I did in Sub-Saharan Africa around developing talent. When I came back, I took a, another uh, sales role, sales operations role, but then uh, I was asked to consider leading our accelerated leadership program, which was a program focused on people in the five to seven year range. So not entry level, but still relatively early in career in developing that talent. And that is a passion 
passion of mine. So I was able to couple, you know, part of the a passion that I have and that I've been focused on inside the company and outside the company into, into my day job. And then in 2020, as we were moving through the social justice movement and uh, GE, along with many others, were thinking about ways to reinvigorate their inclusion and diversity initiatives. I raised my hand to be chief diversity officer for for the gas power business. That's such an interesting story, especially and being in Nigeria. I mean, how has that changed? You know, it's very interesting. So um, one of the things that I learned at uh, at Tuskegee was the value of flexing. For those that may not be familiar with Tuskegee, it is what is termed in the the U.S. a historically black college or university. Um, And so it is an institution um, in the U.S. that is well known and and world renowned for developing black talents. And so I learned there that even though I grew up on the south side of Chicago in an environment that was predominantly black, that when I got to Tuskegee, there are differences in, in cultures, even amongst black people. So I learned how to flex. It became even more important when I got to Nigeria because, again, the context of being in a space that is all black or what I in my U.S. context and construct consider black. But that notion of race is not does not exist there. It's not the same. Everyone that is there is black. So there's not this this race dynamic that happens. And so as I think about everything that I had learned growing up in Chicago uh, at Tuskegee about flexing, it really was important to me when I got there to, to listen, to learn, to embrace the culture, to do everything that I could to be respectful and find ways to um, in the position that I was in um, to be able to, to embrace the talents um, and help provide what I could in my experience in learning, but at the same time to learn from their experience as well. So it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. I couldn't I could not pass it up uh, when I had the opportunity. That's exactly how, how my husband and I looked at it. it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And my husband left his role and joined me over there for some time. Since you're GE Gas Power's very first chief diversity officer, what does this accomplishment and position mean to you? We took a little bit of a different approach. Um, to inclusion and diversity and the, and the role of chief diversity officer as we started reinvigorating our inclusion and diversity initiatives back in 2020. We had had in the past a corporate chief diversity officer that was chief diversity officer for all of GE. We decided to take a little bit different path and say we wanted chief diversity officers in all of the business units. And so that's where I raised my hand for gas power. It's been a a learning experience, but honestly, a fantastic experience. Um, I am someone who believes to whom much is given, much is required. So I use this as an opportunity to to be able to give back, which I also learned at at an early age is, is its own reward. But more than anything, as I looked at and had the experience of where GE had been in the past, where we were at that stage, more than anything, I just wanted to be a part of the solution um, and, and part of how we continue to make GE gas power and GE as a whole a more inclusive and diverse environment. So it's been a, a very rewarding experience, challenging. Um, we're on a journey, but but at the same time, I, I, I'm loving it. Yeah, I listened to one of the a recent webinar that you did that you said, diversity inclusion makes GE more competitive and creates more value for our customers, shareholders and our employees. So can you tell me more about the value of the diverse workforce? 
Yeah, absolutely. I talked about what what the mission is of gas power. We've got some really tough challenges that we are trying to to solve for. Um, we've got like these billion people without access to power. We've got climate change and the 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 challenge of providing that power, but also you know addressing climate change, decarbonizing um, to the to the best ability that we can, providing you know affordable, reliable, sustainable energy. To do that, we need the best talent, and we need them to bring, be able to bring their best ideas. Um, to be able to not just bring their best ideas, but for those ideas to be listened to, for us to be able to debate them and, and have a nice back and forth and get to the right solutions that will, will solve these, these problems and these challenges. Having that diversity of thought, whatever it is, whether it is um, ethnic background, age, gender, ability, sexual orientation, all of the many, many ways that we are each diverse, we all bring our perspective um, our experience, our expertise to the table. But in order to really benefit from all of that diversity, we have to have the inclusion. And, and, and you, you, you know this, um, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but we have to have, you know, be inclusive in everything that we do in order to be able to just lay a foundation for people to be able to do their best and to, to be their best. One of the things that I, I think we are doing a little bit differently is approaching this from our lean mindset, that operating mindset. So I'll give an example. Um, last year, we looked at certain populations in our organization and saw that our attrition was higher for underrepresented people, not just um, U.S underrepresented race and ethnicity, but globally. And so we started asking why, though, you know, where, where exactly is it in the organization? Let's go look at the data for why people are saying they're leaving. Um, let's go look at our culture survey and use the um, quantitative data that shows us gaps in how people are responding, but also the qualitative data. What are people actually saying? And what we decided we were going to do from that is have what we call you matter conversations. And so we took that population of people and held over a thousand conversations and people had the option to have that conversation with their manager, with a one-over-one -one manager, with a human resources um, partner. And we asked them questions about what's, what's going on, what would make you leave, what are the challenges that you're experiencing, what's working well. And then we used all of that to, to develop additional actions, some that were directed at a particular person. Okay, this person needs exposure, they need some mentoring, they need a bubble assignment, they need a something to, to help them. And then we looked at more broadly, what are things we could do for the entire organization? Do we have to look at comp and then? Do we have to look at, at something else that would address the entire population? We saw some, some really great results from just, just doing that, but that look at, start with the data, look at the processes, use our lean mindset, problem solve, action, and then the other part of that is to, to follow it up. Like, did it work? What the actions that you took, did, did they work? And if not, how do you pivot? And if they did, how do you share the best practices? That's the way that we think about this is it becomes just the way we work, part of the process, integral to how we work and not an initiative that sits on the side. Exactly. It's part of your DNA. Absolutely. It has to be. You know, the other thing that I'll say, I have uh, two adult children who both have recently in the past uh, four years entered the workforce and how they're thinking about work um, and how they're thinking about their environments is very different than what I thought 
28 years ago when I started my career. So it's important for us to be able to make sure that we have the the right talent at the table, that they want to join us and they want to help us solve these problems. It's incredibly important. Yeah. So my son uh, is a junior in college and he is an environmental sustainability major. Love it. So, yes, love it. Love it. Thinking about the environment. He did an internship about energy and bringing uh, folks who couldn't afford electricity and how to show them how to, you know, get sustainable energy. And, and so, yes. That, that mission, that, that desire for mission is absolutely something that I think this generation is looking for. They are really advocating for it. And I absolutely, I love it. There is a lot of like back and forth between the generations that you see on social media. Uh, but I love this in this generation and how they are advocating for, for, for what they think is right and, and what they want for themselves. GE has a wide variety of development programs for students and early career professionals. I know you're the global program manager. So can you tell me more about these programs and the opportunities that you give young professionals? Absolutely. So the programs are all meant to be experiential. So you join You have either four six-month rotations or three eight-month rotations, and you are actually in work. You are actually doing doing a job. And what we do in those rotations is give people opportunities to see different parts of a function. So whether it's engineering that you're joining, supply chain, manufacturing, finance, commercial, all of those programs are meant to give you that visibility in those rotations to different parts of that function. At the same time, there's learning that happens in the classroom, both functional learning as well as leadership learning. There is exposure to senior leaders. All of the senior leaders who own those respective functions have roundtables and engage with with this talent as they are are, are in that on the programs in those in those first two years that they're joining. But the real power in the in the programs is the network that you build and that network, that cohort of people that you're working with for those two years that you're on program are really part of the network that you keep with you throughout your career. I still talk to a lot of folks that I was on program with. We still bounce things off of each other. So it's a great opportunity to learn from each other, to experiment, to build network, to share best practices. Um, but at its heart, it is experiential. How do you how do you learn and how do you grow while you're doing these roles in a in a little bit of a of a safe environment for the the six to eight months that you may be on that rotation? Well I was looking and I was actually really excited to see this human resources leadership program that you have. I did a podcast with um, Malika Myers, the CHRO of Hyatt. Um, mm-hmm. And she and I were talking a lot about you know, I guess we were aging ourselves. But when we were back in college, HR really wasn't a field of study, like you're in electrical engineering, but it wasn't something that people knew about. But I love that there's now these HR leadership programs. And, you know, it's amazing. I was looking online at GE Gas Power. And I was like, Ooh, I would love to have been in one of those programs to learn about the HR field. Yeah, the HRLP is um, similar to the other programs, a little bit different, though. We are uh, primarily looking for master's degree people, so not undergrad for that program. It is one of the programs that is three eight month rotations. And so the, the, the talent that join that program will spend those rotations looking at different parts of the HR function. So it could be comp and ben, it could be learning and development, it could be client support. They get a, an opportunity to experience some of those different functions. It also, it helps similar to the other programs, 
people think about and decide, well, which way do I want to go? Do I want to be more of a specialist? Do I want to be more of a generalist? And then again, the functional learning, the leadership learning, the the experiences, the the exposure, the networking, all of that that you get. We just do a a really great job with the the programs of getting people off to to a great start. Yeah. And what advice do you have for those HR, the young HR leaders coming out? You know, what I tell people, this may seem kind of odd, but especially early in careers, kind of embrace the learning, be open to to different experiences. I think as people are starting their career, there's this nervousness a lot of times about being stuck in in one place and and heading in one direction and and this nervousness. I think about it early career as I do uh, maybe in college as well to be a little bit open. But when you when you figure that out, like it is this, it is talent development, it is learning, it is you know comp and band then, you know, spend your time kind of growing, learning and building that expertise in that space that how you develop from a functional leader as well as a leader kind of dictates how you grow in your career. What I try to coach and mentor folks on is think about careers as being a little bit flexible. You know, if you say you want to go down this path, that is awesome. Don't be so rigid that it is just this role. If I don't get this role, then I'm a failure. Um, but also don't be so wide to where your your mentors, your sponsors and people that are around you can't can't pinpoint how to help you and, and how to give you advice, insights on experience, bubble assignments on the next opportunity. So is there's a nice sweet spot that you have to find that's headed in the direction, but you know, gives a little bit of flexibility to 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 be open to adjacent season and learning there. We uh, are in the process of looking at career journeys for some of our leaders. And we, we've been so accustomed to looking at this as kind of a, a ladder. It's this role, it's this role, and this role, and it's constantly going up. I don't think that's how careers are, are going. And they probably have it for quite some time now. So we're, we're reimagining, is it a, a river? Is it a road? Is it winding? How, do, how should we be thinking about it? Um, so I, I'd just say, you know, be be as clear as you can, but be be flexible. Yeah. And that's one of the things we're working on too, is looking at these careers that aren't just going like up this ladder, you know, and offering folks, I don't want you to leave the company, but like, do you want to go try something completely different? You know, yeah. take a yeah. snapshot over here, look at different opportunities within. So that's great. Um, so I want to shift to talk about remote work a little bit since COVID mm-hmm. has opened the gates in so many areas, including some of the leadership programs that we're talking about today. So how have you seen remote work open opportunities for talent? I'd say probably one of my proudest moments at the company, and, I, and I've had a, a fair number, was dur- towards the beginning of the pandemic, as workplaces were, were closing, everyone was working remotely, we had a decision to make on what we would do with our summer interns. We generally hire a lot of summer interns that, that join us. It was a quick decision to say, look, we want to keep these interns. We, we absolutely want to bring the interns on board. Let's reimagine what a summer internship could be for them if they're not able to be at a, at a place of work. We had a little bit of a, I guess, a head start on it. I've worked remote for a fair amount of my career. Some of that by virtue of the fact that I was in sales, so I wasn't in major headquarters locations. And so we have a bit of that culture 
that helped us already have some of the, the technology that we needed and, and a bit of the environment and culture. But what we did with those interns was say, let's, let's find a way to give them meaningful assignments, learning, engagement, exposure, uh, the same way that we would if they were on a site, that they would be able to have a, a good learning experience. And we didn't kind of have a miss there on being able to, to live up to a, a commitment that we that we had to them around these internships. And it worked well. I think this is going to be even more important as we go forward. People have seen the benefits of working from home. And I would say, especially in this in inclusion and diversity space, people who are underrepresented even more than I'd say the, the large majority of folks are, are looking at ways that they can continue this um, and, and continue to, to, to thrive in an environment where they're working remotely. You know, we've been thinking about what are the sweet spots between remote working where you know people have the flexibility that they need and want but then also what is it that our, our customers need how do we think about what our what our customers our our stakeholders other team members that we have need as well and, and at that convergence how do we find the sweet spot of in the office not in the office um, that works for us as individuals as employees but also works for all of the stakeholders our team members our customers our our, our investors etc so it'll be interesting to see how this works but i'm i'm so happy that we're approaching it in a way that values all sides of this equation not just one side of it and is really thinking about it more holistically yeah and that is the future I mean, people don't want to be back in the office. <laughs> I worked in Atlanta for a while. Um, and if you've ever lived any place with a lot of traffic, even just that one aspect of it where I don't have to sit in traffic for 30, 45, 60 minutes just to get to or from the office makes a huge difference. Now we're, we're, we're turning that into work hours, right? So right. instead of a, an hour long commute, we're working an extra hour. So we've got to make sure we balance that so that, that our teams don't burn out. Yeah. Uh, but there's definitely benefits to the remote work at the same time. Yeah, there's benefits to being in the office and collaborating. The balance is key. Well, this was a great conversation, Tanya. I so appreciate the time that you took. It was great meeting you. Thank you again for inviting me. I, it was great to be here. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.